0: What if your dentist told you to eat a hard cookie every day to clean your teeth?
1: We know as a pet owner, you try to do the best for your pet, especially when it comes to nutrition. Today, we talk about the shortcomings of kibble. Now, this isn't to shame anybody with their nutrition choices. However, just giving you an overview of why we promote a species-appropriate diet in our shop
0: what do you always say when we know better when you know better you do better yeah so that's that's kind of where this is coming from um and it's feeding raw food may not be feasible for you at the at the present moment but this is just to kind of point out the reasons why we believe that processed food or kibble is just not the best option even a small amount of f- fresh food in a diet can be really beneficial. So um, we have customers that do like, you know, even just a quarter percent. And there's a lot of research and data that suggests that just doing, you know, a 20% of the diet raw fresh food can have a huge impact on their health in a positive way. So we're definitely not shaming people for feeding kibble. This is just pointing out the reasons why it, it fails our dogs, cats especially. But
1: And be sure to stay until the end of the episode where we answer a customer's question.
0: This is Dr. Jim Carlson. We look forward to seeing you at Lifetime Pet Wellness Center. We have a friendly professional team and offer conventional medicine, dentistry, and surgery, as well as integrative options such as acupuncture, chiropractics, nutritional medicine, Chinese herbal medicine, homeopathy, and more. We emphasize fresh foods because you wouldn't want to eat processed food every day, right? Visit us at lifetimepetwellness.com, Instagram, or Facebook, or give us a call at 614 888 Two one zero zero. All right. So the first reason um, we talked about this in the last podcast, but uh, cancer. I said this before, and I'll say it again. Sixty years ago, the cancer rate in dogs and canines was one percent. As of 2019, it was over sixty percent. That's terrifying. And I think that there's a lot of players in the game. I'm not just blaming that on food. Um, I think it's a it's a, just a toxic world that our dogs live in. Monthly flea and tick meds, which are isoxazolines or, or um, pesticide-based treatments. But I think I think food is a is a big component, especially with with processed food. You know, kibble is like I said, it's about 40 to 60 percent carbohydrates. And an interesting interesting thing about carbohydrates is if you're, if you're feeding kibble and you're looking at the back of your bag, you're doing your best. You're doing your research. You're looking at the details. You're gonna look at the protein and you know the or the guaranteed analysis. See what see what's in it. See what it consists of. And you're probably you probably won't even see carbohydrates and you're thinking, wow, this is kind of low in carbohydrates. I don't even see them on here. But that's because uh, these companies are not required to put the carbohydrates in a guaranteed analysis, which is um, pretty shameful and deceitful. They legally don't have to, and so they don't, they don't want you to know, um, so you'll see protein and fat and moisture, and I think they do like a, a crude fiber as well. But you won't find you won't find the carbohydrates on there. So if you subtract those from 100, you'll get your carbohydrate count.
1: They make you work for it.
0: Make you work for it. Don't no, make it easy. <laughs> you know, most kibble is about 40 to 60 percent carbohydrates. So even according to Small Animal Clinical Nutrition, which is the the textbook that veterinarians use to learn about nutrition in college, it states that there is no dietary requirement for carbohydrates for dogs or cats. So just an interesting point to remember yet it makes up carbohydrates make up 40 the majority of the diet 40 to 60 percent sometimes even more. Not only is that species inappropriate but it's also extremely inflammatory. you know when when carbohydrates are processed in the body they're processed into sugar and what feeds off sugar cancer. It's interesting that this rise of, of cancer in the country with our with our dogs and cats also coincides with the since coincides with the introduction of, of um, kibble being conveniently given to our pets. The next thing, number two, uh, just bad teeth. You know, kibble is not, so I hear this a lot. This is a huge myth that kibble cleans your dog's teeth. Um, I cringe when I hear that. Yeah. Uh, And I think, you know, when the vet, when the vet, when your veterinarian says it, or someone that you trust says it, you, you don't even question it, but I want you to question that because you really need to think about that. If your dentist told you -hmm. Um, To eat, say, um, eat a hard cookie every day to clean your teeth, you would never go back to that dentist because you know that that's not true. And so the same. How is
1: it any different?
0: (laughs) How is it? And it's and especially harmful for dogs and cats because again they don't have salivary amylase, which is amylase is the enzyme that breaks down carbohydrates. So salivary amylase is is an enzyme that breaks carbohydrates down in the mouth. So we have it as humans and herbivores and omnivores have it, but our dogs and cats do not have it. They don't have it in their saliva. So. It's even more. All those carbohydrates, carbohydrates are even more detrimental to their to their dental hygiene than they are for us. They, I mean, and they don't get to brush their teeth. So I always tell people like, imagine eating like a dry bowl of cereal like twice a day, and with no moisture, and then not being able to brush your teeth. Like just imagine what that would feel like. Like I hate even saying it because it makes me cringe. But kibble is not good for your dog's teeth. There's nothing about it that's going to be beneficial. And this and the the data says that. I mean, look at look at how many dogs have eighty percent of 80, I think it's 70 to 80% of dogs have periodontal disease in this country now before they hit three, which is insane. Low biological value. High protein diet means nothing if the body can't digest it, right? So we see all these um, these dry pet food companies that are boosting the protein content, but they're boosting it with grains and legumes that have a low biological value. It's a, a biological value of about 34 compared to say like a raw egg, that has a value of uh, almost 100. Raw beef is 78, 78 or 80. So, you know, huge difference as far as what's available to your dog. Kibble is dead food. It is not living, thriving food. It is dead food that's been cooked three or four times over at temperatures well over 250 degrees. There's not much left in there. As a matter of fact, I think enzymes enzymes get cooked out of food at about 117 um, enzymes are incredibly, incredibly important. We have, we tell people that come in the shop, you know, our big thing is, is moisture, beneficial bacteria and enzymes. If we can somehow get that in a diet, I think that's a huge, huge win. Even if you don't feed a raw food, I think it's getting those in there are a major, should be a major focus with kibble being cooked at such high temperatures and high pressure. I mean, there's literally nothing left in there and that's why they use, they spray on the vitamins and minerals that are the, the synthetic vitamins at the end. Um, cause there it's, it's. It's void of any of that. But I want to talk about enzymes here because that's, you know, enzymes are so fragile and they get cooked out at such low temperatures that now your dog's eating a food every single day that has no enzymes in it. And so what's happening is their is their pancreas is now forced to produce the enzymes to break down that food. But just like us, they have a limited capability of being able to produce those enzymes. You'll see most dogs start declining at about six to eight years of age because their, their pancreas is like, I'm done. I'm I'm not doing this anymore. I've been doing it your whole life. I can't keep producing these enzymes and it starts slowing down and they're not able to break down their food and absorb the nutrients. That's why feeding dead food can be so detrimental. Another thing, it's just too much grain. It's just too much grain, and too much starch. Kind of like we talked about, it's mostly, you know, just the whole process of of creating, um, kibble, you know, with the extrusion process. I mean, carbohydrates are, are really what they're in there for is for a binding agent to keep everything together, and it's just a cheap filler. So we know that carbohydrates are, you know, they lead to inflammation in the body. They, you know, leading to obesity, diabetes, cancer, the less of those in a diet, the better. Artificial vitamins, these companies use, they're, they're cooked. Like I said, they're cooked at such high temperature. There's nothing left after they're done processing them. So all the vitamins and minerals are coming from a synthetic source. So they use synthetic vitamins, which I don't want to. I don't want to dig into that, but just know that synthetic vitamins are very, very different than real whole food vitamins, very different. Um, on a molecular level, they, they act differently. They look differently. I've, I read a comparison where it was like, if you had scurvy, you could either eat like four oranges to, don't quote me on this, but it's something like you like four oranges to like cure yourself of it. Or you could have like a bajillion milligrams of of vitamin C. So it's like, or a synthetic vitamin C. So the point is you need way more of the synthetic vitamin compared to the whole food vitamin because it's just not as it's it's not doing the same thing in your body it's not um, it's not as potent as the real vitamin is so just know that real whole food vitamins vitamins that are sourced from real food um, are going to be way more impactful than than artificial ones and there's actually a pet food company out that is settling a huge lawsuit because they used um, what they do is they just they get they buy these big drums of synthetic vitamins from foreign countries and um, someone in one of these countries put too much vitamin D, uh, synthetic vitamin D into the vitamin premix and they poured it into the food and caused a vitamin D toxicity. So vitamin D is actually a fat soluble vitamin. So it's not, um, just like processed out of the body, like a, like a water soluble vitamin would be. So it caused a vitamin D toxicity with thousands of pets across, across Europe and, and the U S killed, killed lots of dogs and cats. So, um, you just have no control. Over and that was in a dry point. food, not... Uh, I believe it was uh, canned and kibble. Yep.
1: That's so sad.
0: Yeah. The big thing we talk about a lot is it's just lack of moisture in the food. I always tell people, like, imagine just eating, like, total cereal every day. And that's all you got. I mean, I'm talking, like, every day for every meal. You're just eating one thing, and it's it's dry, dehydrated cereal. Kibble is it's about 7% seven to 10% moisture. We're talking about raw food. Raw food is about 70% moisture. Kibble is 7% moisture. Just imagine that. And what that would do just to like, I mean, even your kidneys, but all your organs. Um, most dogs that are eating kibble are in a in a pretty serious state of dehydration. Dogs, I mean, I know there's some dogs out there that drink water like it's going out of style and it's probably because they're eating kibble and they're, they're trying to catch up, but they can't catch up. They actually don't have a thirst drive like humans do. They have a thirst drive more so than cats do, but it's just, it's impossible to catch up when you're eating such a dehydrated food. And that affects every single cell in your body. Adding moisture is why we always, you know, goat milk is a really big seller um, in our shop. But I even tell people, just go and put, just put water on it. Like, just please, just put some some moisture in the food. It'll help break the food down better. It'll be easier on their digestive systems. I mean, imagine just, imagine eating these pellets of of kibble. Like, imagine why, I mean, even for yourself, just trying to digest that would be, Like, I just feel it'd be excruciating. It can negatively impact every organ in your body, um, but especially the kidneys, the liver, and the heart. So,
1: I think um, what was really fascinating when you were sharing that statistic about cats. Yeah, cats. Oh my gosh, that was a big oh, light bulb.
0: Shit. Yeah, that cats. Cats have it tough. Cats are <laughs> cats are so specialized. They're so cool. It's a good, they're so specialized at what they do. They're like these little murderous psychopaths <laughs> that run around and
1: <laughs> hey. they fascinate.
0: They fascinate me. You know, the outdoor cat kills like fourteen rodents or birds a day. Like they are constantly eating. They're constantly hunting. They are just born to to kill and and hunt. And so. But what's interesting about cats is they've all evolved from a desert dwelling, the East African cat. And so this desert dwelling cat evolved to get all its moisture from its food. So like a mouse or a snake, like all these these animals you'd find in the desert are, you know, or any animal really, is about 70% moisture. Now, fast forward to now, they're, you know, domesticated and now we're feeding them. All of a sudden we we, we took away the moisture and just said, hey, here, eat this kibble. And it's like 7% moisture. So imagine you've evolved to get the moisture from your food. And now you're eating an extremely dehydrated diet. It takes 2,400 licks of water for a cat to drink, soak up one fourth a cup of water. So 24, your cat has to, I had a guy that came in the shop the other day and he's like, no, he's like, my cat gets plenty of water. Like she'll drink, water for like 20 or 30 minutes and i was like at a time he's like yeah yeah i could just sit there and drink water for 30 minutes i'm like oh my god you gotta be kidding like this is this is exactly what i'm talking about and when yeah, cats crazy when cats drink water they actually they can't curl their tongue so they just their their tongues like stab the water and then they have these little they have, cats have these little hooks on their tongue which they use to like lick the meat off bones which is really fascinating but they these little hooks they they, they dip their tongue in water and they can't curl it right. So they take it right out and it creates these droplets in the air and then they snap at those droplets and that's how they drink water. It is like the most inefficient process ever. So I always tell people and cats are tough. I understand like if your cat was, you got your cat from a rescue and they fed him kibble as a, as a kitten, it's impossible, not impossible, but it, it's really hard to get them away from, from the food that they were given, given as a kitten because they're, they're imprint eaters, but
1: whoo. Yeah, sorry that's me going wild. there. sorry I know that's but um yeah crazy.
0: moisture is is incredibly important I mean if there's man if I had a if I had to list one thing to add I guess to your pet's diet it'd probably probably moisture man it'd be tough between moisture and enzymes and probiotics but moisture is just really important
1: feed your pet food made from the freshest and healthiest ingredients found in Steve's real food
0: every steve's formula is ph balanced and uses only 100 natural high quality usda inspected free-range meats and unprocessed whole and functional foods plus it's loaded with beneficial bacteria from goat milk see how much better your pet will feel after just a few weeks on steve's real food find out more in the podcast show notes so next thing uh carcinogens and artificial preservatives so obviously with kibble um it's cooked at very high temperatures 230 to 350 degrees um, and then they have to use artificial preservatives because it's, a, it's a, a shelf-stable, I'm using like parentheses, shelf-stable food. So they're using preservatives as well. But obviously, you know, cooking at these high temperatures, extremely high temperatures, and these huge vats, you know, obviously there's it's going to be carcinogenic. And then they use artificial preservatives such as BHA and BHA, BHAT, uh, sorry, BHT and ethoxyquin, which um, have all been linked to cancer. I just, I prefer my pet's food to be free of Percentogens and and artificial preservatives, especially if it's something that it's like the only thing you're eating, you're eating it every single day. I mean, it's, we wonder why our dogs are getting sicker. Our cats are getting sicker in this country. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the next thing, uh, mold contamination. I mean, this is a huge one. So there's been a lot of recalls. People don't know this, but there's actually been a lot of recalls on, well, I'll say this 98. So it's funny because a lot of people get, they they get scared um, about feeding raw food because they're worried about the bacteria which is interesting because the more you know, the more you realize, wow, this is actually much safer than feeding kibble. Kibble is actually, so 98% of the, the recalls in this country for salmonella, E. coli, listeria are all coming from kibble, not raw pet food. And not only that, these a lot of these recalls consist of um, uh, aflatoxin contamination. So that's a, um, it's a toxic compound that's produced by fungus that, found in grains and peanuts and legumes and peas. You know they cause immune suppression and, and liver damage and reduced growth rate, cancer, even death. Um, and it's it's one of those things that it's like it's not going to kill them right away, but over time it, it will kill them. So it's like this I don't know like secret killer that's not talked about enough. But like our av- the average age of our pets is actually declining, and you kind of look at this stuff and it kind of it's kind of mind blowing that it's it's allowed to happen. All of these factors, um, you know, and and kind of going off of that. You know the 98 percent of recalls in this country are from are actually kibble and not the not the raw pet food. Raw pet food companies are using really first of all they're sourcing especially with the like the ones we sell at the shop. You have companies like Steve's Real Food or Northwest Naturals. Um, they're using um, a process called HPP, which is high pressure processing. I'm not going to go into it right now, but they essentially use cold water pressure to disable pathogens. Uh, essentially, essentially pathogenic free which makes it really safe. If you're really, really worried about um, a bacteria contamination, like those are good brands to start with because they also, not only do they do that process, um, which by the way, still keeps the enzymes and the healthy bacteria intact. And they've done lengthy studies on this. Um, they took, I think, two to three years to actually hone in on that, that process to make sure that they weren't losing any healthy bacteria or enzymes. So but they also do third-party laboratory testing on top of that. So before any batches are released, they actually get it tested for, you know, salmonella coli, listeria. So they take just way more um, – they take it way more seriously than, than dry pet foods do. Then you have companies – you have companies like Answers who, you know, Answers Pet Food – Um, They actually do a fermentation process on the food, which is really cool. So they actually inoculate it with a whole bunch of healthy bacteria um, so that pathogenic bacteria can't grow on it. It's also really good for the gut. So anytime we have a dog that's kind of behind with allergies or what have you, we usually start with answers because it's just so beneficial for the gut. Those are kind of my reasons. I mean, there's, there's a lot of reasons why I would never feed my dogs dry pet food, but I just want people to be aware that, hey, there's a lot of things going on with dry pet food and there's a lot of reasons why it's not appropriate to feed. I will say I understand why people do it you know for for financial reasons you know your super busy lifestyle, maybe you're traveling a lot though there's some good options out there that you know are dry but not they're not kibble. Those are just some some really important reasons that we don't promote kibble. you know there, there's better options out there.
1: That was a really great conversation. Now that we know all of those shortcomings of kibble or dry um, overprocessed food, um stay tuned for an upcoming episode where we chat about all of the amazing benefits when it comes to a feeding a raw species appropriate diet. We are so proud of our sponsor today, our friends at Steve's Real Food who help make the Fangs and Fur podcast come true. Anthony, what do you like best about Steve's?
0: They're whole food ingredients. They don't use any synthetics and it's real simple. When they come into Fangs and Fur, I'll always pull out a box of Steve's Real Food, and I'll show them what's in their food.
1: So come into our shop to learn more about Steve's from Anthony, or visit stevesrealfood.com. And this week's question comes in, um, I was recommended a grain-free diet. Is this a better option? Ah... (laughs) I knew you would like this one. Uh,
0: The grain-free debate. You know, there's still a lot to learn about this whole thing, but I will say that this is the dilated cardiomyopathy, DCM. The FDA put out a report uh, a couple years ago now that said that there is a link between grain-free diets and DCM or dilated cardiomyopathy. I think it's important to know that this study uh, is about 500 dogs. So there's 500 dogs reported with, with DCM over a span of five years. There's... I think 70 million, yeah, 70 million dogs in the U.S. right now. Um, so that's 100 dogs a year out of 70 million. So that's it's an incredibly small amount. And, and there's also other factors, right? So there can be a genetic uh, component to this disease. There's also the fact that, you know, people who are feeding grain-based diets, usually, you know, historically speaking, grain-free diets are the ones sold at grocery stores at a lower cost. So people that are feeding those diets might not have the resources to take their dogs to the vet when they're sick um or having these these uh symptoms and so there there may have been dogs a, a lot of dogs that weren't reported as well um and like I said there's a genetic component to it as well, but you know I think the important thing is is that raw food somehow got conglomerated with grain free diets as well um which it's it is a grain free diet, but it's it's this report was showing that grain free kibble specifically was a concern because grain free kibble um, may contain, well, it contains legumes and peas and lentils that contain antinutrients that can, can inhibit the absorption of certain amino acids, particularly taurine was kind of the, one of the culprits in this case. But it's also, you know, some precursors to that as well, like methionine and cysteine. But to answer your question, the only sources of taurine are meat, dairy, seafood, and organ meat. So, you know, I, I would be just focused. If you are doing a grain-free diet, I'd be focused on getting some of that in their food, getting some of that in their diet. So, getting some like some some raw goat milk or cow kefir, I'm talking raw, not like grocery store bought stuff. Getting some organ meat in their diets, um, getting some just meat in their diets is is really important. Even if you're feeding grain, I would still do that, but. It's, you know, grain-free, I think is, I think is okay. And a lot of these companies, I believe have, have really tried to make sure that there is a sufficient amount of taurine in the diets now just to make sure in case that is Uh, is an issue, but I wouldn't be so much focused on grain or grain-free. I'd just be focused on getting some real food in their diets.
1: So if you have a question that you want us to answer on our next podcast, you can find us a few different ways. You can send an email to danielle at fangsfur.com. You can find us on our website, fangsfur.com, or you can direct message us on Instagram at fangsandfurpets.
0: The views and opinions on this podcast should not be used as an alternative to veterinary advice. We always encourage you to seek the professional advice of your vet. Before starting a raw diet, we encourage you to ask lots of questions, do your research, and speak with a qualified vet and or canine feline nutritionist.